This is gonna hurt. It's time, it's time for the Suffering, for the suffering Podcast. podcast. I don't think there's a single human being on the planet that doesn't think they know what worry is. You deal with trials and tribulations of life in the best way you know how, feeling that you are always prepared for any suffering that is thrown your way. A beautiful child enters the world that you are proud to call your own. Now you understand what real worry is, the overwhelming responsibility to care for another life that you love more than yourself. What makes a human being impervious and invulnerable to pain is if there's nothing in the world they care for. When your child enters your arms, there is a vulnerability. Until that child is ready to make their way in the world, and even after, they are forever on your mind as your responsibility. I'm Kevin Donaldson here with Mike Felace, and on this episode of The Suffering Podcast, we welcome a very, very special guest, Mr. Frank Felace, to discuss the suffering of a father. I am a pilgrim in an unholy land in this studio <laughs> yes, right now. Are. I am surrounded by phalaces. Listen, listen, and you're the only Eagle fan in here. So we'll yeah. keep it at that. They better win Super Bowl. Oh, they better. Yeah. They, if, they, <laughs> if they don't win the Super Bowl, no. I am in deep, deep poo-poo. Yeah. yeah, and so is my, my you know, inheritancy of <laughs> <laughs> because I've put out so much trash. You know, by the time this airs, obviously the Eagles will be Super Bowl champions, but I put out so much trash that I am going to get my balls busted. But I don't do that. Mine goes uh, money-wise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if they don't, um, Jalen Hurts, this is a message to you. If you don't, you're going to get a knock on your door by Mr. Frank Fillet saying... Uh, yeah, where's my money? Yeah, what happened? You just <laughs> F you pay me. What, what do we talk about? <laughs> Before we get into anything, let's throw a shout out to one of our marquee sponsors. That's Three Acres Luxury Condominiums, 400 Claremont Avenue in Jersey City. Go to threeacresjc.com to take a look at all the amenities. They really have everything there that you need. You never have to leave the establishment. Um, Mike and I have been very fortunate to be welcomed into their family, and we couldn't be happier. So go to threeacresjc.com. Check out everything they have. Now, Mr. Felice, thank you so much for coming in. The reason we're having you in is because during our second anniversary Grand Saloon event, you were the shining star. Who's the star uh, of the show? You were the shining star. Uh, we got the most comments probably just uh, off of him on that show. 100%. And you just, you shined. People just wanted to listen to you. I know. No, I appreciate it, but that's... That's me. What can I say? <laughs> well, that, that's what the whole thing, that's what all the comments were. He just seemed so real and down yeah. to earth. No, you weren't. There was no rehearsing. You know, you, you didn't you didn't have to beautify yourself. You were just you. Well, you, you said to me, let's get your father on. I went, Dad, come on. We want to get you on. Ah, what am I going to talk about? <laughs> and, of course, in studio, our special guest co-host, Frank Felice Jr. From that's why I said, the that's why I said to Michael, I said, Frankie, I want the tree of his son. You, you oh, know, yeah. I told him that. Absolutely. This is going to be something that's going well, to last no, forever. Well, no, this before I knew, you know, I don't want Frankie on. Oh, Th- thank, way, thank God he didn't have any more kids. We wouldn't have <laughs> enough room in the studio. Said, this way, if one of them, I'm going to smack him. I'm going to smack him for everybody sees him. Well, I'll tell you hey, what. Hey, Dad, where are your only kids? Are there any other kids going to be showing up here saying, wait, <laughs> me too? Me too? <laughs> that you don't have to worry about, believe me. So if you just give me the give me the eye. You get him, I get him. Yeah. Okay. We'll just we'll we'll go together. We we'll are trapped in the corner, Frank. You know, we've, <laughs> you're a long way out my, here. Frank, by the time he moves, I can even get out. <laughs> Frank is Andrew will have to come in and pull him out of his chair. Frank is trapped in the <laughs> drunken corner. That's right. So yeah, listen, big big shout out. Frank's been so good to us. He's been with here, been with us from the beginning. Go to Drunken Corner on Instagram. Check him out. He does a lot of stuff on there. You're really going to enjoy it. A lot of Instagram lives, which. We've been on a couple times. It was a lot of fun. So, Mr. Felice, one of the things that we do, and I'm going to call you Mr. Felice, and I don't care what you say. You've earned the respect. That's what's going to happen. We've, we've had this discussion before. So, you're Mr. Felice to me. You will forever be Mr. Felice Just to call me. him senior. Senior. Senior, yeah, there you senior. go. All right, senior more palatable than Mr. Felice? Yeah, Mr. Felice is my father. <laughs> I say that too all the time. Mr. Felice is my father. I mean, you, you appreciate it. I have all his friends. I'm very good friends with his friends. The one thing kids running for mayor, and I says, Phil. I'm sure you'll always be in the place. It's how I was brought up, and in all honesty. Uh, you know, I, I teach my kids that, too. This is, you know, Mr. Felice. This is, or I'll say Mr. Mike, or it's Mr. Santiago, or it's Mr. Felice. That's just how I teach my kids, because that's the way I was brought up. It's a sign of respect. You know, it's funny. When I grew up, 
The people next door to me were by their first name. People lived down the street. They were Mr. and Mrs. I don't know why. Yeah, you know, yeah, really. Well, I, close close in families, you can go by first name. Yeah, you it's, know, it's kind of like uncle. You yeah, know, that's not Mister. But before we before we go any further, we take a question every week from one of our audience members, and we kind of put it out there to the to the guests. This week comes from Pete one two four Pete underscore one two four. What's your fondest childhood memory, Mister Felice? You're our guest today, or senior? senior. I'm sorry, senior. Senior. I'm going to hand this one off well, to you. Well, really, I have many. But my father was a sports fan. My father was born in Italy. You never know it. He had no accent. But we always went to ball games. And I lived 10 minutes away from uh, Ruthville Stadium. I saw with my father, Jackie Robinson, play with in Ruthville Stadium. Was it was it pro or was it in the Negro in, Leagues? In, it was, no, it was in the in International League. Oh, really? Yep. So I you... was with my father. I tell people, <laughs> yeah. I said, I was with my father. My father would take me down there, and we that was it was like at that time it wasn't anything big. I saw him. that's how good he was though. So that's that that was that's my question to you. You saw him play firsthand, and I know he was good. Uh, but the, in in the Negro leagues, there were people who were arguably better. Okay. Josh Gibson, Satchel well, Page. They kept him because they knew he had the, the mentality not to fight back, because they knew once you fought, but you licked. And he had the drawing power too. Yeah. He, had, he had a name. So he, he wasn't the best, like you said. But he, when he played, he had the the wherewithal not to fight back. Just take it. I mean, he used to spit at him. They did. Yeah, they, I mean, yeah. they really did some bad stuff. Oh, if you yeah. if you watch that, yeah. um, what was it? The documentary or the, the movie they made about the forty two. Forty two. That's what it was. That's the number. You know, I had a brief conversation with Willie Mays because he was. I think he was the third player to come up from the Negro Leagues. Well, I know. The first guy was the other guy after him was from Patterson, Larry Doby. Larry Doby. Oh, yep. Good memory, yeah. yeah. So I they, got, they were going to bring Doby up, but they didn't think that Doby could stand it as much as uh, uh, Jackie Robinson. The the enormous amount of pressure that they had to be oh, under was people, crazy. I mean, really, you know, and you know what hurts? I I could honestly say I never grew up prejudiced. I didn't know the black guy was just. Not every, I don't understand. Even today, I still say, "Oh, how could it be like this?" Yeah, well, to, I, mean, I think today it might be even a little bit. Well, you know, worse. I mean, we've said this before too. I think I think racism is a learned behavior. Absolutely. Because and and my father didn't have a racist bone in his body, and that's why I mean, me and my brother, I don't think we ever met black people till we went to high school. Yep. You know, so we had no preconceived notions about them. They're yeah. just regular people. Well, that's, that's why I tell. I I, don't, I really don't understand it. Yeah. It's when a I was in high school, thing. my friend's mom. Would make breakfast for black, white. Oh, and say, how come you bring the black guy? I mean, it was. It's like crazy. I can't believe it. It's a cra- I, It's it's a. It's such a foreign concept to us. Now, Frank, Frank Junior. What do you think your your fondest childhood memory is? It better be about your father because he's sitting next to you and he's within hitting distance. It's got to be having me as a brother. I mean, come <laughs> on, that's a tough battle. I got between two <laughs> <here>. <clears throat> I'd probably have to say. And I'm sure he'll remember is that when we were growing up, obviously, uh, sports, everything revolved around sports. Notre Dame, Yankees, Giants, everything, no matter what it was. And uh, I wasn't young at this time. I was a little older. But my father always said there's two things he wants to do in his whole life. He wants to go see Notre Dame play USC and Notre Dame. And he wants to go to Giants Super Bowl and see Giants win the Super Bowl. So... Um, I got lucky enough to get tickets and took them to Notre Dame USC when uh, Jerome Bettis was the running back and Lou Holtz was the coach. So we went out there for a weekend and saw Notre Dame play USC. And then my brother and I had the pleasure of going to the Giants Broncos Super Bowl and sitting with my father and watching him cry when the Giants won the Super Bowl and we were there with him. Was that the one where Mike Adams said he was going to walk home to Patterson? No, no, that, no, no, that would that was the uh, Giant Stadium Super Bowl. That right. was uh, Seahawks and the Cause Broncos. Because I, I, I know Mike Adams, and yeah. I said, "Were you really going?" He goes, "Nah, it was too far. I was going to walk, <laughs> but we lost anyway, so it was no big deal." So, Mike, what do you think? What's your fondest childhood memory? You know, grow, growing up, and and not just because he's sitting here today, but I mean, Frank, you could attest to this. We had the greatest parents ever. You know, we really did. We didn't want for anything. We didn't need for anything. We. To, to to pigeonhole a, a greatest 
childhood memory, I, I think that would be impossible. All the Super Bowls we went to. <laughs> I mean, we went to Super Bowl 20. We went to Super Bowl 10. I was nine years old. My father <laughs> yeah, took me and my brother. They rooted for the team that won. I bet the team that lost. <laughs> I couldn't say nothing to them. I didn't want to root it. It's the truth. They're jumping up and Super down. Super Bowl 10. It was the Steelers and Cowboys down in Miami. The That's with the Lynn catch. Swan catch. Oh, my God. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, we were Lynn at that Swan. game. Right. That's pretty cool. Like I said, we did. A, my father afforded us a lot of lot of great, great memories. Um, but you got to understand something, Mike. As great a memory as that was for you, I'm sure that was equally as great oh, a memory yeah, no, for I, you. I love being with him. I really did. He did. See, my, my parents were divorced when I was probably about, what, seven years old or so. My father took me and my brother to California on a two-week trip. We went to Vegas. We went to San Diego. We went to Los Angeles. Topless burlesque show. We went to we a burlesque. He took us to a burlesque Nine show. Nine seven years old. <laughs> I made we go to the, the place. Follies Brigier. That, that's, that's where milk comes from. In, in, in uh, Vegas, where they, they get the million dollars outside. Mm -hmm. So we go see it. So I says, the one that went inside, you, you got to be 21. I said, just come with me. Don't say a word. Just keep walking. We're walking. I hear a guy yelling behind me. I said, keep walking. <laughs> we get into the thing. The guy comes up. I said, what did I do? I, you can't bring people. I said, I didn't know that. I said, all right, just we went out. <laughs> but I brought him into the in the, the Binions. Uh, you, to take him in Binions, that's another the million dollar horseshoe. Yeah. Yeah. It was, that's what it was, Binions. Binions, yeah. They had the million dollars. Yeah. But I, I think my, my fondest childhood memory, and Frank, and I know you could attest to that, is when we played little kids football. You know, North Arlington leaders football. Now, they're junior Vikings now, but my father was our coach. Yeah. You know, and we had so much fun playing back in the day. I mean, it, that was a real special time. That's a, that's a great thing, being able to coach your kids, because you see them develop, you see them learn, you see them grasp something that's a love of yours, and that's what I get out of coaching. Oh, yeah. So for me, you know, obviously I'm the odd man out in this room. <laughs> I'm going to – but my grandfather and I had a very special relationship. You know, he lived with us for a short time, and and I remember the the bathroom they had. We had like a little efficiency apartment in in our house, which they lived in, and the bathroom was leaking at the bottom. We we put a sponge around it, and every once in a while, you got to wring the sponge out. But him and I were hell bent on fixing this thing. It was one summer, I think I was probably in about seventh grade, and he was an older guy. He couldn't get behind the the toilet, so I'm behind the toilet, and we couldn't figure out what it was. We spent three weeks trying to fix a toilet. Here's what it did. It got me to spend time with my grandfather. It, caught, it taught me plumbing. I know everything there is to know about replacing a toilet and the inner workings of a toilet. And it was something simple, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. As frustrating as it was at times, I look back on that as one of my fondest memories. I learned so much. I got to spend it with my hero. And those are memories that y you can't buy, you know? So, Pete, thank you so much for sending that question in. Keep sending in your questions, and we will get them on the air. So, senior, <laughs> I'm going to have to get used to saying that one. I know a lot about you. I've been, I've been involved in your family in one form or another for 25-plus years, so I've heard so much about you. Why don't you tell our audience a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, how you grew up? Well, I was Jersey City my whole <coughs> life. I moved to North Arlington. When I got divorced, where did I go? Back to Jersey City again. <laughs> hmm. I love high school so much, it took me four and a half years to get out. <laughs> <laughs> I went, my mother said to me, you got to graduate. You're embarrassing your father. I didn't want it because I knew I had to go to work. I knew I wasn't going to college. I'm not a college guy. <laughs> and that was it. But I, I, I enjoyed high school just for the fun of it, not for. Was well, it the people you were around? Was it your friends? or was Well, it? we have. See, in Jersey, when you hang out, you hang out with all sports guys. You didn't hang out with the guys with the books. Not that you did thought, but you hang out with all sports guys, even from other high schools. I know people from other, we play Snyder, as a matter of fact. You make a tackle, let's say, Frank, it's a party at Johnny's house today. You're playing a team, <laughs> and you went to the party, and that's how it was. Yeah. He, he didn't said, want to leave high school. He was making too much money when he was in high school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But that's how Jersey City was. You notice he didn't say no. <laughs> exactly. He moved on right to the next one. But, but were you? So what kind of what kind of kid were you? Were you a, a knock around kid, sports kid? Yeah. Well, I'll put it this way. They call me Frankie Butch. So I thought I got the nickname because my grandfather was a butcher. 
So I asked my mother one day, I said, Ma, how did I get the nickname Frankie Butch? Because the pop, he's a cool pop. Because Poppy said it. He says, no, your Uncle Frankie gave it to you. I said, well, what? Because I used to sit in front of the thing. Can we walk here? Could you beat that kid up? Nah. Well, let me see. <laughs> fight the kid for no reason at all. No, none at all. I have to fight the kid. And that's it. And he gave me the name, Frankie Sounds Butch. familiar. <laughs> <laughs> well, the worst thing you can ever do for your parents is to come home and say you lost the fight. Oh, no. My father, he, said, he told my father. I tell these to my kids. My father would say, and my father was the nicest. They'll tell you, nice. If the ceiling fell down, you know, would say, well, step over. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> really. He but didn't care about he, anything. But if he said, if you ever come home crying, you better sit on the street, he said. And then walk in the house. He said, because you fight the bully, he's going to beat you up, but he will never fight you again because yeah. he wants to fight a guy that's going to fight back. And I told it to my kids, I'll tell you, I don't care if you get beat up, you better fight him again because he won't bother you no more. And they never did that. That's what a bully is. He don't want to bother a guy that's going to fight back. He wants to bother a milk toast guy that he could just keep beating up. This is this is 100% truth. Best thing to cure bullying is a good punch in the nose. My, I'm telling yeah, you, my father. That right. That's who my father was. Yeah, yeah. Mike, Mike Tyson said that, right? You know, Everybody's a tough guy till they, they get, get punched, punched in the, in the mouth. Yeah. <laughs> but my father was, we're like, my mother would say to me, my mom's uh, maiden name is Padino. She said, you're a fellacia name only. <laughs> I was just, my father, when I worked with my father, he said, I can't believe that's your father. Yeah, we were so, my father's really the nicest guy in the world. My grandfather would get along with everybody. Lived oh, in yeah. Jersey City their whole lives. Yeah. He would walk up, he'd walk all over the place. Feeding but, ducks. But you were, yeah, you ducks. guys saw a grandfather. Like, I have, I've heard stories about my grandfather as well. But you guys saw a grandfather, and I'm sure before you were born, you did, the apple usually doesn't fall far from the tree. I guarantee there were some moments. Well, <laughs> I have my, my, I tell you, my mom's father, he was a Bodino. He was a big shot in Jersey City. He was right under Hague. If you remember Hague, Hague mm -hmm. was my grand, that's a, my grandfather had a packet in them days. He had a packet. He used to hang out with the car. That was in, it was like I'm on a Rolls Royce today. Mm -hmm. He would hang out with a guy down the street. His guy name was Joe Calford, who was a councilman. My 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 mother and father lived next to one. That's how they you know they you live next to you married him. So she would come to my mother and say, "Have Frankie dressed tomorrow. I want to take him with me." I used to go with him. I knew we had speakeasies, but my mother would never really talk with him. And she's he's, I was the firstborn male. And he would say to my mother all the time, I love him dearly, but it's not doing me any good. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's how, you know, but he took me, took me all over. Well, I mean, there was one name that keeps popping up and I want to know, I want a little clarification on it. <clears throat> what is Tony the horse? Oh, the horse. Oh, forget <laughs> we did a little research. <laughs> Tony, Tony the horse. <laughs> You'd be like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we tripped him up in the first 15 minutes. <laughs> hey, he, he lived in Cherry Street over New York. I mean, this he was like in murder, one of them type of guys. But he never, it's gonna, now my grandmother's an American born because my father's first mom died in Italy with her brother in the sports poverty epidemics. My grandfather came. He married my grandmother. Like I said, she was American-born, but she was an old too. He would come into the neighborhood, terror, I mean, terrorize, I'm not exaggerating, terrorize the neighborhood. They would be afraid of him. They'd be jumping out of windows every time he came. He had a fight with a guy going home to get an ax. <laughs> I'm serious. That's why when he said to the horse, I, <laughs> but he would go up to the store. My grandfather had the, like a samba there. He'd go up there. My grandmother would be hitting with a broom. She said, "I told you don't come here when you're drunk." Whack! I said, "I can't believe this." He's get peeped, and she's my grandmother's beating him, and she would feed him. And yeah. Well, hey, that's sometimes it's that bully syndrome. Well, but, if he came in and terrorized the neighborhood, one person, what's he going to do? Hit a hit a woman? No, but that's how she, I said. They say I can't believe it. He's yelling at her. She's yelling at him, and he's hitting her with a broom. Wow. <laughs> And there, there was one other thing that kept popping up. What is the last football wedding? 
That was Tony the Horses. That was Tony the Horse? <laughs> Tony the Horse. <laughs> what is that about? Oh, anyway. Oh, uh, you can, I can say. <laughs> you can say whatever I, you want. I, I get, I get I, so many stories. We got, well, that's what we have you in I, here for. I, I got we, invited. Hey, Drew, we got another hour after this. <laughs> I got invited to the wedding. Of course, my uh, grand, I mean, the only reason why. So my friend I hung out with, his name was Mike Shanley. Very Monkey weird. face. Monkey well, you face. Mean my brother used to call monkey kids face. Called monkey face. They had a monkey hanging in the on the window. <laughs> so anyway, I ain't got no girl at the time. So I go with Mike. He had the car. We drove there. So we go up there. We go to the thing. It was in the old uh, Knights of Columbus Hall. So we have it now. People and they call football weddings. They used to get the sandwiches. Who wants the ham and cheese? They throw it over to you. you? <laughs> so it's over. We'll let it leave. So as Shanley would say. Do you notice when they said to kiss the bride, everybody went to the bathroom? Nobody <laughs> wanted. <laughs> so he says to me, Frankie, you got to take the sandwiches. I said, Tony, why ain't got to order? I said, take the sandwiches home with you. We get the sandwiches, put them in the car. We're going home. We're throwing them out this side of the window. That people are following us down the street. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. They're following. Who's going to? We make believe and we throw it out this one. They come up the other side. You know, we got rid of like 100 sandwiches going home, <laughs> throwing them out the window. What, what high school did you go to in Jersey? Lincoln, Lincoln. Lincoln High School. I, I had some people I knew back a little bit before your time that went to Dickerson. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that was the, a rival. The uh, the Piero brothers. Yeah. yeah. My, my father graduated high school class of 51, 52, and 53, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I went to two, two alumni, two class reunions. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's better food there. Okay. So your your idea of growing up in this in this atmosphere, what, what to a, a kid growing up in the in the 40s, right? All right. So I want to know what your idea of what growing up was. Like what was a grown up to you? Me growing up was, I had the best life in the world. Not just me. We had nothing. My mother and father didn't try to compete with the Joneses. I didn't get a car. My father didn't get a car until I was old enough. We didn't lock the door. I didn't get a key for my house until I went to high school. We, <laughs> Me and Frankie had the same thing growing up. Yeah, We never had a key to our apartment. It was just always open. And my mother would put our hand in the glass. <laughs> Half our friends use that to their advantage. Too. My mother would put the key under the mat. Everybody knew the key was there. Right. We come home, we pick the key. I mean, really, no, we hadn't. How could you complain when nobody's got any? We weren't poor. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to say that. We were, you know, average. But we had, but you didn't know. You mm. didn't know who was rich, who was rich. Because everybody in the neighborhood was the same way as you were. They were in the same position you were in. And what are you going to eat tonight? I'm going with the Spinola's house. All right, good. And that's how you did it. You didn't come home. You tell your mother you're eating somebody else's house. They just let you go. Of course, the next day, that same guy would be eating in your house. Well, did your your parents actually try to push you out of the nest? Because I, I know a lot of Italian families, and the, the mothers and the sons are very, very close. Well, yeah. right? Did your, your parents try to keep you in or push you out? <laughs> well, I'll tell you how, how unlucky they got. <laughs> Unlucky. <laughs> yeah. I'm married. I get divorced. Where's the first place I go? You got to go back home. So I said, well, this ain't going to be for too long. 40 years. <laughs> well, you know, you, great. <laughs> yeah. You moved back in for 40 yeah. years? <laughs> great, great story about that, too. You know, he moved back in with his parents when he got divorced. You know, my grandparents, his, his parents were still alive. My grandmother. No, no, Freddie passed away first. first. My grandfather passed away first, right? And my grandmother wound up living a couple of years. She died in what ninety? She was yeah, she no. was ninety ninety five. Ninety had all her faculties. Yeah. Well, that's good. That's so good she run. passes away in ninety five, right? Or when she was ninety five, I called my brother. I said, "Frank, what are we going to do?" He goes, "What do you mean?" I said. Daddy's not, he's not old enough to live on his own yet. <laughs> he, he, he was like 70 years old. Like, well, he's see, not alone to live. You see, it was the truth. My partner was from the club. They used to say to me about license. I really used it. I never went home. So why should I get in a palm? They cooked for me. They did my clothes. If I wasn't coming, the only thing I used to tell my, my respect, I would tell my mom I, was, I wasn't coming home. Mm. I'd stay in Brooklyn, you know, because I don't want to work with you guys. He's in home tonight. And, but, <laughs> oh, there were, time, there were times me and Frankie got calls like the next morning. 
Where uh, <laughs> your father didn't come home last night. Well, I'm telling you, it had to be he's four, seventy had to be years old. If he doesn't want to come be, home, had to be forty years. I was still home. Yeah, well, you know, I bet you got fed real well. Oh yeah, oh yeah. But no, the bad part of it, Kip, I ate out most. I ate out a lot. Yeah, we used to go here. I could take. I could take you to best restaurants. We just ate. I ate a lot. But if I didn't want to, I had a place to sleep. Had a place to sleep. That's all I really cared about. Well, growing up, did you ever get in a little bit of trouble? <laughs> Not okay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I kicked in. Uh, oh, oh. <laughs> well, the neighborhood there's oh, there's there's two ways neighborhood kids go. All right, there's the straight laced, and then there's the not straight laced. It's sort of crooked. Well, I grew up in a neighborhood where gambling was. I tell people that I'm not ashamed to admit it. If I grew up in a neighborhood that was they did drugs, I'd probably be a druggie. Mm. I love to gamble. I just liked it. I mean, that's the idea. We lived in the house, and we they had a club was called the Full Mooners Club. And that's where you went to the club, and they said I would play poker for guys who were businesses. My friends would give me the money. I I was pretty. I was good. Nothing, but and I would say one day I'm sitting down playing cards. I look at the door. My grandfather, my father. I said, "What? Well, how did he get here?" <laughs> From where I lived. My mother looked down and could see me in the window from the other club. <laughs> That's all it takes. Is yeah. the, so I go on. home. Yeah. So he said, did you learn anything out of this? I said, yeah. I learned not to live, sit by the window. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes fathers can just well, give you a look. Well, my father never yelled at, never hit, but you knew what uh, he knew. And I remember he used to drive slow as crazy. Remember? Oh, remember yeah. We were late. He would come. I had a, a bitty basketball game when I was younger. And I called my father, tell him what time the game is. He goes, all right. I said, Dad, I got to be there by this time. Okay, yeah, no problem. Everything be all right. And we had no cell phones. So you just sit there and you wait. And you wait. And you wait. And you wait. And it's like game starting in five minutes. And you wait. Like You're getting dressed. as you. I see my grandfather. Oh, <laughs> pulls up to the apartment. We get in. Frankie, my boy. All right, Grandpa, let's go. Yeah. And then it's just like. <laughs> he should have just got out and ran. His Probably could have. His last license plate was bomb. B-O-M. B-O-M, I remember, right. B-O-M, I remember yeah. that. <laughs> but you you had this entrepreneurial spirit. It was Because I know what you've done, you what you did later in your in your life. Was that, you know, something about a gambler. You're making good money gambling. You're doing all right. Not having a boss, pulling in some money. Was that where the entrepreneurial spirit started with you? When I got divorced, I got to find something. I I paid it. my wife, gave her the money to send something to college. But what? how do I live now? I mean, I had a good job. I was a union delegate, too. So my friend from the gym. Union delegate, huh? Western yeah. Electric. Yeah. Okay, and you never got in any trouble, huh? Oh, yeah. He oh. puts people out during strikes on TV. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's why I said that. I mean, I... <laughs> Wasn't that what Henry Hill was? I'm a union delegate. Henry Hill is a union delegate. I mean, people, I tell them the stories. They, thank God people were there. They don't believe it. I've heard so many old strike stories because the, the gentleman I knew from, uh, his name was Anthony Pirro. So he was, um, he was something with 825. And he used to tell me about the old strike days. And how some scab would win it, center block went through the front windshield. Well, I was the liaison between the cops and the and the uh, the union, so I got to be very good friends with the cops. I mean, really, and they would be taking pictures every day because they wanted them giving to me later to see who were people who worked there and people were just strike breakers and they would come. So. Uh, we kept it. We the one thing is that about the, the Teamsters, they were very, very good with unions. Oh, you were Teamster? No, no, no. Okay, they were not. We I put up a line across the garage where the garbage was. They wouldn't cross it. Mm. Two weeks, they they wound up getting second secondary injunction to be able to open up the thing. So now the fire department, I mean, the police department comes down with a captain. You know, and he, who is this? And I told him, he said, he puts me on the side and he says to me, uh, here's what we got to do today. We know what to think, but 
let us just shove, push you around a little bit, you know, because we got to open it and make it look like. So here's to show you when you were a nobody, guys next to him sits him. And if you move, he said, I'll split your head open with a bat, with the, the club, the yeah, club. Really club yeah. So the, the captain says to him, get on the side over, just mind your own. <laughs> well, you know, you, you both have to save face. Police department has to save face. You have to save face amongst your guys. Otherwise, the whole system crumbles and doesn't work. But from there, did you keep that job for the rest of your life, or did you the union delegate, or did you? No, move? they they closed. They they moved my job, and I wasn't going to move with it. But that's that's really was the best thing that happened to me. I loved my job. I actually loved. Had a good, easy job. Had a good job. Because he me, never went. He was at every. He, we I, used to call it like I said. We didn't have cell phones, so we couldn't reach out from our cell phone. We'll call his desk and I'll say, "No, nah, I don't see him around. Uh, his books are open. His books are open on his desk, so he's got to be here somewhere." He was, he was like back. on the way to pick us up to go to our games. See, all you had to do was be like nervy. That's. Then my my bosses knew where I wasn't going. Like I say, union business, so they signed these sheets, so they know where you are. I saw them. They say, "Where's Frankie going today?" He's going to watch his kids ride their bike. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I saw. I tell Michael just the other day we had to go through Newark. I told my friend, "See the stadium?" Over? I saw Michael hit his first home run <laughs> in Newark, ten o'clock in the morning. Very nice. But I went because I could do it. Mm. Other good people wouldn't, but they wouldn't do it. I did it. Well, I know you. I know you. You instilled that in both your boys, knowing your boys as well as I do. They're so proud of their kids, and they're at everything, yeah. and they're just supportive of their kids. I have to say that they got that from you. Well, I hope so, but yeah. that's I enjoyed that's it. That's definitely handed down. Like, yeah. see, the people would say to me, you only go because your kids. I said, no. I would go if they stunk. I would go just to go, but thank God they were, you know, they were good athletes, so it made it easier. Yeah. You know, but I said, I would go anyway. Well, when you're coaching, that's a that's a whole other thing. When you're coaching your own kids, because that's I've done it, and I think everybody in here has done it. It's a it's a whole different dynamic because you your kids actually take it a little harder on the team than most people. Like, because you don't want to show favoritism, you don't want them showing daddy well, ball. Let me show you how, how it is. We're playing one day, hot day. I'm taking kids out of the game. I don't take my son out. Hasbro kites, Hasbro kites. You don't think of it. He's mm. my son. Heat no, exhaustion. Yeah. yeah, he can handle it. Yeah. You know, they get they start they come to you crying with tears in their eyes. I'm like, shut up, just get back in there. But that's but I wouldn't I didn't think I didn't think of it. This is my son, he's all right. Yeah. And I was a person I had one kid, Schultz. Glenn Schultz. Kid was he should have never been a football player in a million years. But that's me. We're not gonna bring up names today though. <laughs> I, I, I come I come late one. I come late one day and this kid's, this kid's laying on the ground crying. I said, what happened to you? I fell down and they're all jumping all over me. And, and, and they, so I grabbed them all together. Said, come here. I said, you all think you're that good? I'm going to make this run where he's all fall down and I'm going to jump all over you. Why you do that? The kid was so thin. When we used to have can drives, nobody would do them. The mother came to me and said, I can't believe this. We're going to be half an hour late for our vacation. My son wants to do the can drive. <laughs> yeah, but that's how I was good to the to the uh, bad kids and tough on the tough kids. Right, because you're trying to you, you realize something when you're coaching kids. It's the the kids who aren't who may not have the most athletic talent. You're you. They want to be part of something. It, but the kids who are good, you're trying to make them better. So you're going to be a little tougher on the kids who are good. And they, they, again, you don't see it. The kids don't see it while they're in it. They're like, well, you know, this, this guy stinks. Why is he getting an easy ride? When you're older, that's when the. the well, one of Michael's goes. best friends, he was, he was an end. What was his name? Joe. Joe, oh, Joe Fedroff. Joe Fedroff. I mean, that name means I can mention because the <laughs> kid hated me. And I used to go to the VFW when we went, we'd play poker on Friday nights. And so his father says to me, he says, my son can't stand you. So I told him why. He wants to quit. The father wouldn't make the kid quit. He said, no. He said, when the kid got older, he comes to the club with Michael. He said, I want to thank you for being the way I was. I said, Joe, I knew you were good. But you got to listen. This is the, the way we set the system up. This, but you, what are you doing? I don't care if you make one tackle. You force him to go the other way. 
the kid actually thanked me. He says, I really, I said, Joe, I didn't do that. He made him a, a boxing defensive end. All right. he had to do was just cut up field of boxing, send everything inside. That's and all. a kid hated it. <laughs> he hated it. I had a kid. I, <laughs> I don't I, blame him. I, I had a kid that we lost for about two hours because he was chasing a butterfly. <laughs> I'm not kidding oh. you. He was chasing a butterfly. And his mother always used to give us crap about him not being in the game, but it was a dangerous situation. It really was. Yeah. I, I wanted the kid to get in, but I didn't want the kid to get hurt. So every or, time we get someone else hurt, every time he would go in, he'd go down. So I, I learned I'm putting him in the first play. That way his mother can't give me crap. He's going to go down. Like he's not going to, it's, it's nothing serious. He'll, you know, fall on his knee too hard or something like that. And, but you, you have to judge each kid by their own merits. What was that kid's name? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't, can't say that one. <laughs> so your, your job ends. Where do you go from there? Your union job ends. Well, at the Copa, Copa Cabana. I, I was, I worked in the gym. Like I said, I used to go to gym all the day. I was a gym rat. So I used to go to gym. So one day my friend said to me, uh, Want to be a bouncer? Need a bouncer? I said, "Yeah, I'll take the job." So I took it, and the guy that was ahead of him got to really liked me. Was it Lip? Tony Lip? No, no. Tony Manafo. Tony, Tony Manafo. Tony Lip is that's another story. <laughs> yeah, let's not talk I, about that one. So you know, you know, I just I I just met both of his sons who wrote the movie Green Book. Yeah. And one of them, like two days after I met him, was found dead in Brooklyn. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Tony Manafo. Tony the guy who Tony Manav was, <laughs> he was Sylvester Stallone's bodyguard. We actually practiced. There's five of us. We went to my friend's house, had us work with Stallone. I was supposed to work with Stallone. You'll be here when he does this. We actually practiced it. I went here, I went there, and I, he Tony liked me so much. The other four guys were always with Tony, but he said, "No, we got to put Frankie as somebody." If somebody don't show up, Frankie don't show. Oh, I just opened my club. What do you think I get a call? Come to work. I said, I can't leave the club. Are you crazy? I can't leave the club. Tony Manafo was. Tony Manafo was Sylvester Stallone's best man when he married, married Brigitte, Brigitte Nielsen. Nielsen. Right. Yeah. And he produced his movies. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. Is this is this why you got you tried to get your sons in professional wrestling? No, we went no. to <laughs> the Kissing Bandit. Don't think no. I forgot about that one. Oh. <clears throat> no, no, no. That was, yeah, with me. Still, yeah. I'm, that I'm was working in Newark. Yeah. I'm working in Newark. So I see that they're doing the wise guys. So I see Tony. Oh, with uh, Danny DeVito and, Danny DeVito uh, and Joe, Joe Piscopo. Yeah. Right. Tony was in there. If you remember, he's I'm the an extra who, in that movie because they shot part of that movie in Atlantic City. Yeah. I am a fisherman on a beach. He's, uh, he wore, always wore black. We used to call him Mr. Black. He wore a black leather, you know, jacket, though, not as, like, like the uh, regular suit jacket. Like, so one day he says to me, what do you, I said, I'm not working. He said, well, come tomorrow. It was a Sunday, a Saturday. Bring your sons over. We'll, we'll go there. So we go. We're walking. I was on a here. Cut, cut. It's screaming, cut. We walked through a, a <laughs> right film. Right through the scene. That's right through the scene. That's right. Captain I, Lou was on in that movie. Yeah. That's right. So I didn't know we walked through. So Tony starts laughing. He said, you're the only one. I said, Tony, we didn't know we walked in two. He said, it just cost us $20,000. <laughs> it was right before they blew up the car. Yeah, oh, right yeah, that's right. So now, Captain Lou, yeah. he sees my son. Who he used to look like. Yeah. He comes over to I've us. I've seen the picture, yeah. He comes over to us. He sees my son at the time. He's in high school, six foot so. He's a good looking guy. He says, oh, what do you do? So he says, I play football. He says, so he said, I didn't play my first year because something, he gets something happened. He said, but I did wrestle. And I went, he says, you want to be a wrestler? He said, yeah. He says, he gave us a card. He said, you don't come and see me unless you go to college first, he said. No kidding. He said, everybody don't make it. You go to college, they had the, the studio is in the Connecticut. Then you come and then I'll take care of you. Well, it went a little different than what he was saying. <laughs> <clears throat> he grabbed me on the side. My father was off whatever oh, he was yeah. doing. And he's telling me about this. When you come in wrestling, I really have to have you, this and that. You got the right stature. And uh, you have to graduate college first. All that's right. And uh, I said, all right. I said, but, you know, my father's here with me. He's not going to believe me when I tell him. So if I bring him over, you mind if you 
let him on the tour and let him know what's happening. He goes, yeah, no problem. So we find my father. And I see him. I go, Captain Lou, come here. Here's my father. He turns around. He goes, oh. He goes, I thought I was ugly. <laughs> <laughs> so you, you move out of the Copa. And how do you end up with Lamore? Well, the I rock see. club. His was good about my personality. When they, Tony calls me up and he says, I've got a job for you in Brooklyn. Nobody wants to go there. I said, I'll go there. Or I care. Brooklyn. So I went, my partners, I worked for them. It was called the Garden of Eden. I worked for them. They would. So I hear them at the bar talking about looking for, opening up another place to look for somebody. I can't rub two nickels together. I go up to my sister, here looking for a partner. So my partner went, rah, 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 yeah. I said, look, you either are or you aren't. You're looking for partners. Yeah, so I want to be one. So it came from there. This my mom. My mom left me money, but they said the other my other two partners said it wasn't for him. You would never been here today because you're too nasty. <laughs> <laughs> but you had so you had a lot of huge acts go through Lamore. Oh, everyone, every eighties rock band that was ever. Did you ever like the music? I hated it. <laughs> <laughs> it was I loud. Used to, I used to stand in the lobby. Yeah. Well, it was because. I was like head of security, really. And I would stay in the lobby because if there's fights and this and the cops and I handle everything. Yeah. Well, my George did the bands. There was five of us at one time. Two left. One guy left. One guy, he opened up his own. John, he's the yeah. one. And they opened it. We just wound up in the three of us. So I know the name Lamour, and I think, Frank, you told me this. The name Lamour was everywhere. It was even written on the Berlin Wall. Berlin Wall. Yeah, and point. somebody asked me, how do you know? I said, because, you know, around it was all rock bands. So it ain't can be Lamour, I love you, like France. Mm -hmm. They put Lamour and they put all rock bands around. No kidding. Yeah. So was that was that a good career? I mean, that was there for quite a while. Oh, yeah, 25 yeah. years. Yeah, I know. It opened up in what, 76 or 77? It's a disco tech. 78. Was it disco? disco. You see, we opened in 78, but when you have an, I don't care what people say today, if you're an A E I O ending, you don't get nothing. Mm. And they thought we were my place. We weren't, though. We really weren't. It took us from January to November to get a liquor license. Mm. Then we opened up as as a discotheque. Well, that's a, that's actually, a good... and they missed out because oh, that was the year before we... uh, Saturday Night Fever. They came came to, to the club first. They were going to film Saturday Night oh, Fever at Lemoore, yeah. but they wound up doing that 2000, well, yeah, 2001 we Odyssey. Odyssey. We weren't going to be ready by the time they came to the club. Yeah, no, dealing in Brooklyn and knowing the, that Brooklyn area, did you ever have to deal with some shady characters in order to get stuff through? <laughs> Well, we did. Without mentioning names. <laughs> Please. No, that, no. We did, but we didn't because they didn't bother you. Yeah. I said, Con contrary to what people say, they don't bother you. The only bother you is when you want a favor. So they come and they help you. Now they own a quarter of the club. Ooh. Before you know it, and we never, ever asked for a favor. Never. We handled, When a kid died, we did all ourselves. Did everything up. They never bothered. They don't want to be bothered with a club. But when we opened the discotheque, we used to be loyal. They used to love it. I know we we spoken to John Elite about this because yeah. John Elite's father knew when, you. Well, no, he he, he knew my partner Mike. Yeah. I, I said to the Mike, I don't want to say this to, to John, is it? But because my partner Mike worked in Queens. Yeah. We only owned. We had half, we had half the club in Queens. Yeah, Lamore East. Lamar East. Well, I thought that was Comac, Long Island. No, no. Lamar Far East. Okay. There was so, three of them at one point. So, so we all know we had the biggest one, which we want, we wanted to buy, was the one in Staten Island. It was Lamar's Paramount. The Paramount Theater. It was the theater. Mm -hmm. Over 3,000 people. Wow. wow. We wanted it bad, but it had a crack on the side. We had to fix the wall and the that we can't afford. This. I think you told me that Guns N' Roses played there the day Appetite for Destruction came out. Yeah, it was like the week they, the week the album came out. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Guns N' Roses only played the club because they, they wanted to see how good they would be at Manhattan. That's oh, really? when they came to the club, yeah. yeah. I mean, they, booking those acts had to be a whole different well, my, nightmare. My point of George did everything. We had the bands. The Twisted big, Sister. No, but the one that's the big band. Metallica. 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 They were 
Tuesday, Thursday bands. Yeah. Really? They played every Tuesday and Thursday. No kidding. That was my claim name. That's why I'm not in the club business. <laughs> I come into work. I go, Dad, who's playing tonight? And I look up on the board. He goes, Rods and Metallica. Coming next week, Dad, who's playing tonight? Rods and Metallica. I go, he goes, what's the matter? I said, they're never going to make it. <laughs> I said, they play every freaking week. You're going to get sick of them. Who cares? You know, yeah. that's what you think. Eh, one Sunday, we had 40 years later. One Sunday, we had three bands. Wasp. Armored Saint. Wasp, Metallica, and Armored Saint. Yep. Wasp, the guy was from Bay, from uh, San Island. Blackly Lawless. Yeah. He used to play with chaps on, with no clothes. <laughs> He just put the chaps on. Did Overkill ever play there? Absolutely. Oh, my yeah. father's partners were Overkill's managers. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah. yeah. yeah That's so how I got into, hooked up with Overkill. Yeah. So yeah. Overkill's been real good to us. Oh, yeah. well, Overkill Derek. was good. Yeah. White Lion, that was my partner. They had the bands. My we, I wasn't involved with the bands. They had the bands. They, they were good, though. The so you've had this, this, I mean, really an amazing life from growing up Jersey City to being the Frankie Butch to to <laughs> being a union a union yeah. delegate. Um, I, I'm not buying that one, by the way. And then you 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 to the Copa, which the historic Copa. But, but, I mean, even get back to the Copa days. I they mean, wrote he, the song about them. Yeah, he did. He did security what, for Barry what? Manilow. Yeah, they wrote the song about the bouncers. He he did security oh, really? they worked about from eight to four. Like, oh, yeah. Bet Midler. Right, See, Tiny when, Tim. When, I remember when, being a kid. I think it was my birthday. It was either one of our birthdays. Took you to go see Tiny Tim. He Tiny took Tim. us over to Copa to go see Tiny Tim. And it's funny that day to show you my mentality. I bring him over to Copa. So that you day, let your kids around Tiny Tim. I wouldn't no, want to go around Tiny Tim. So now they're having uh, a Jewish singles downstairs. So I want to get downstairs, go to the office, see where Tiny Tim was there, have a picture because they knew he wasn't performing that day because at the, the party downstairs. So bouncer stops me and says, excuse me, says, I, I work here. I just want to go, you can't go, man. So what I do, I grab him by the throat. <laughs> I'm dragging, my kids are on the top of the stairs watching me. I'm running them through the club. I said, I <laughs> <laughs> I said, what are I doing? I said, my kids got to watch this. <laughs> well, I think, so in Wise Guys, Lou Albano's character was called Frankie Fixer. That's I think that's what his character was probably after after he met but, you. But <laughs> what, it's funny we uh, after Goodfellas came out, watched it in the movies. <clears throat> the scene where uh, Leota takes his girlfriend to Copa, mm -hmm. goes downstairs, dukes everyone, goes through this kitchen, and all my friends going, "Oh, that's great!" I'm like, "That's the only way I go to Copa." Because <laughs> what are you talking about? I said, "When we were kids, my father used to take us." We go downstairs to the kitchen. We go out, and they had a, a party, and they put a table right in the center. We sit down, eat dinner, watch the show, and go home. I go, that was normal. I thought that was what they did. That's how you did it. That's yeah. how we did it. Listen, I don't think we ever went to an Italian restaurant without coming in through the kitchen. Yeah, you know, and someone clearing people away. We go to Little Mellow from from Manhattan, right? And my father knew the owners there and everything, and. and when I was younger, you know, me and a friend of mine would bring some girls over to try to impress them. Oh, you know? man. Bring them to the Copa? Ooh. No, no. We'd go to Lamella. Lamella, okay. It's on Mulberry Street in Brooklyn. I mean, uh, in Manhattan. Manhattan. And I'd come up and a guy, remember Mimo? Mimo would say, uh, oh, how many? Is it four? He'd go, and there would be no places to sit. He'd go up to people and say, are you finished eating? They're like, uh, no. Yes, you are. He'd, be, he'd like clean up the whole table, kick the people out and say, go ahead, sit down. Union delegate, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll stick with that. I was, no, Statute I of limitations are over. <laughs> <laughs> so doing all this stuff, I, I really want to know in your mind, what kind of influence and what kind of role model did you want to be for your children, whether you were or not as immaterial, but what did you want to do? Somebody that has a drive or somebody that stands you up see, for themselves? I learned one thing you can't do. You got to be yourself. You can't be like I am. That's why I say with Mike, I teach you, Mike is like I am. I would rather go to war with him than with Michael because at least Frankie thinks things over. Me and Michael go to war. Shoot him. I say, well, we just shoot that guy. He didn't do nothing wrong. <laughs> Frankie would think, I don't want, I want them to be themselves. Just be, don't be like me. I just want them, I did everything instinctively. I think every parent says that to their children. Don't be like me. I say it to my kids now. I'm like, don't be like me. Learn from what I did. 
See, what it's hard for them to do with me is that I got pictures home with Tony Bennett. Jimmy, love Jimmy Durante. I love, I loved him. And I, Frank Sinatra. Sinatra. I'm a Sinatra 20 times. All right, Dad, who do you think is a better singer, Frank Sinatra or Elvis Presley? I will not air this episode if this is answered wrong. And now, <laughs> as, a singer, as a singer, I thought Sinatra was better. Okay. Oh, well, right. that, yeah, no, okay. No, they were th- right. uh, I'll buy that. Two, and that. I'll buy was, that. They were two different types of singers. I'll buy know. that. And I'll put it this way. I go to the 500 Club. I was with my wife at the time. This woman that we knew, in the old days, we used to have the phones with the, with the uh, switchboards. <laughs> switch yeah. pl- she was worked for New York Tell. She was a supervisor. So she would get calls from the East Coast to the West Coast so they got to know her. So one day I'm over the house. My friend Patty, he's her nephew, he's the nephew, her nephew. Patty Pandolfo? No, no, Patty. <laughs> We're not going to mention names. Though. No, it no, was Patty the Spook. <laughs> His brother. <laughs> was he another union delegate? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> we were Patty. Patty says, come here. She she had to take the phone away. She had to go get something. Patty says, come over here. Get on the phone. I get on the phone. It's Marlon Brando on the other end. And he's cursing on the phone. I I ain't paying you this kind of money. He's his agent. I ain't paying you this kind of money for me to come over here. You talk to the bro from New York. Get off the goddamn Brando. No That's up. When his wife brought her up, she 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 knew I liked Frank. She she knew I liked Frank Sinatra. She knew I liked Frank Sinatra. So she called. Patty calls me up and says, "Frankie, it's today. You got to go. His mom, his mom is working. I know I can get out of work. Make no difference." I said, "Cat, you get out of work. We're gonna get down to Atlanta City. I mean, to yeah, Atlanta City, the Five Hundred Club. We got tickets for Sinatra." So anyway, she gets out of there. She gets out. I said, tell me your grandfather died or something. <laughs> so we get down there. So we get all the way down there. It's Patty and his his aunt, me and his mom, Kathy, and my friend, Mike. So we get down there. Now we get there. No name on the guest list. I said, oh, come on. I said, I got to get out of work. got to bring all oh, She's irate. I mean, irate. Where's the phones? Because he had no phone. You got to go up the corner. She goes up on the corner. Three-way conversation. Huh? The 500 Club in Vegas. Anyway, she strains it out. So we go back down to the 500 Club. And he says, well, why didn't you say who you were, Papa? We went down. Seat we had was, I mean, can't forget about Carte blanche. The guy that showed was Sinatra that night. Was Dean Martin got a start in Atlantic City with Jerry Lewis? But that's who was happened to be one of the Rat Pack. To me, I thought he was better than Sinatra. So I, I, I would agree with you because I actually saw both of them. I saw both of them in concert. And to, to be fair to Sinatra, he was getting older, and I think he had to use a teleprompter at the time. Yeah. Dean Martin's voice never wavered; it was smooth as silk. But Sinatra had that charisma. But see, Dean Martin was. Because he even said, if you expect me to sing, you might as well go. He didn't sing one song. Mm. He just cracked jokes. We were hysterical. I mean, hysterical laughing. You just watched the Dean Martin roast, and you know the guy was a comedy genius. He was just- See, and and that's another thing. We're talking about, like, growing up. Super Bowl 22 in San Diego when we got on TV. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) The night before the Super Bowl, I was, if it was Super Bowl 22, Two, I was 21 years old. Wait, I had to call them up. They asked them they wanted to go see Sinatra. Just let them know. Because I want to take kids to see Sinatra. I don't want to go see him. Because I knew a guy who worked with his secretary. Now I can tell the special. The night before the Super Bowl, my father took me and my brother to Sinatra. Was it Bette Liza, Midler? No, Liza Minnelli. Took us to a concert. You want to talk about great stories when you were growing up? Uh. I mean, that was, and we had great seats. I was, was, sat right near us. A guy gets out of the taxi cab, <clears throat> tan. I mean, you know, he had bucks, and his friends laughing at him. He said, "I guess I'll see you when the show was over." No, because he had no ticket. So me, and when I got the tickets, I had to buy all four of them through my friend, and I paid a hundred twenty-five to a hundred dollar ticket. I had to pay twenty-five. So I didn't care, but I couldn't get rid of the one ticket because. 
My, my brother-in-law's sister was there. Nobody wanted to go. So I got one ticket. So this is to show you what you do when your kids are there. So I go, I see the guy. I walked with the guy. He says, uh, I got a ticket for Sinatra. Do you want to go? Right away, the guy gets up there. He says to me, what are you, a scalper? I would have did like I did to the giant game. I would have tore the ticket up in front of him. <laughs> I'm serious. I did a giant ticket. I tore a $100 giant ticket up. That's it. Now I don't care who goes. When we got the guy inside, we were in the seventh row. The guy was buying me drinks. He couldn't buy. I can't wait like go home. He said to see my friend. He said. Your son, Frank, got that same mentality from you. And I'm going to tell you a little story that you probably don't even know. When Frank and I used to work together, there used to be a guy come around and sell watches. You remember this guy? He used to sell like knockoff. They were nice watches. Well, they would turn your wrist green. And I think it was you. I'm pretty sure it was you. The guy would always take him. He always came in the dealership and, and he would take him back. He takes the watch outside. The guy offers him the money back. Takes the watch outside and he goes and hits it hits it with a hammer right in front of the guy. He goes, I'd rather bust this piece of shit rather than give it back to you. So maybe maybe you rubbed off on well, your I'll tell kids. you the thing with, with Liza Minnelli. They come down on the tramp, down the aisle. Frank's taking pictures of her. Now she sees him and she's smiling with him. He's taking pictures that, because she sees him, a young kid, that Patterson. Some happens to the camera. So what do you think he does? Pull the whole roll out. I said, now you're happy? Now you ruined it. I said, I don't care. I said, you ruined ruined everything on here. That that, that was back in like the 35 millimeter. He he pulled the whole roll of film out there and everything got exposed. And I I felt like a picture on there. I had Jerry Jones and and Jimmy Johnson in a headlock. Really? On Bourbon Street. Hmm. On that same roll. And messing... Jimmy Johnson's hair. Yeah. And no one touches his hair. What, what was it? That was, and like I said, that was going back to days. That was Bears Patriots because we said, remember, there's a Wade Phillips. Bowl 20. I hope you guys both realize how lucky. And that's what I said when, when you brought up the, the, the social media question. I can't pick out one time. I said, we've been so lucky. He took us to so many Super Bowls. We went to New Orleans. We got into parties we weren't supposed to be. We were staying in a hotel where the NFL Players Association had their dinner. So me and my brother took the hotel up, and we used to get autographs all the time. So we're standing outside. At the, you know, we get outside the elevator and the big ballroom's right there. To get into it, you had to have a ticket, and then they, then they like, stamped your hand. Yeah, no, your yeah. They give you a ticket, and then they had to stamp your hand, and you give them the ticket. So some guy comes out, and he sees me and my brother there, and he's like, you guys want to go in? He went in. He showed the ticket, got his hand stamped. He came back out and gave me and brother, he asked the guy, he said, can I keep these tickets, you know, just for, you know, keepsakes? Yeah, sure. No problem. Gives me and my brother tickets. Me and my brother were in an NFL Players Association. Dinner. Dinner with everybody that was who's who of NFL players. I mean, it was unbelievable. They should, you should write a book on how to relate to your children, especially going through a divorce, having to be a single parent. Because it sounds like to me you did a wonderful job at. No, their mother did. I, I'd say I'd tell you one thing: my divorce today. I should have. I did nothing. His mother was terrific. Just my lifestyle. She was a mother, and I was never cheated. But I wanted to be here. Where you going? I'm going. Mm. And I took the roller. Yeah, yeah, but you were always involved in their lives. So that's because. Her mother would call, his their mother would call me and say, yeah, you're going to see a little Frankie play? Yeah. She knew. Go stop here, I'll drive you there. Mm. It was, it was, people would say to me, I just saw mm. your wife. I'm divorced 20 years now. You you would never know my parents are divorced. They did everything together. Like yeah. if their friends were going out to dinner, he'd say, hey, hey Kath, come on, you know. Like the only Tam, Tammy and Willie going out to dinner tonight. I had a respect for them when I told, I only told this to Frankie the other day because I would never tell the kids this. I had a respect. I went out with your mother once alone. My friend had a bar in uh, in uh, Manhattan, so we, she knew him. So we go anyway. He ain't there, you know. He's not there. Not like so now I'm talking really conversation, and I said I can't do it. I said, Kath, we just go home, and I could have went home. And I said, we're gonna start. I'm not gonna change. Why am I gonna put her back in the same position that she was when I ain't gonna change? But that's a respect thing. That's what I said. It's that's a respect. It's a respect thing. I told him, and it's the truth. I never slept with your mother once after I got divorced. 
You want to tell the positions because since your boys are no, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. <laughs> it's it's it's, uh, it's not going to mention names. <laughs> it's, a, it's a respect I say. Yeah. But if you were to if you were to see a, another father in your position, what is the best piece of advice you think you could give them? Just don't lose your kids. Mm-hmm. No matter what happens, you got to bring them back. You got to reel them. I don't care what you do. You got to just don't lose them. My friend. Married. He had a daughter. And his his wife, here's how crazy she was. She was sing, she was running around the house singing, singing, Your father's a bitch and your mother and your your mother's son, so that means you're a son of a bitch. Never so, said nothing. Never. Sounds like what I used to say to my <laughs> to my brother. <laughs> but he tried to he he didn't see his daughter in fifty years. Never saw once you got married, because the mother poisoned the kid. Never came, and he was good to her. The kid went to Notre Dame. I said, Mike, you know why she don't use you? Because her husband's got money. She ain't gonna don't need you. But uh, she just poisoned him. We are coming to the end of this thing. One question on say real quick: Who who were the Damon Runyon characters? Oh come on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> told you we did research yeah, there's a Mike million drop. there's a million of them I mean, <laughs> they used to hang out with Bigfoots Bigfoots is like the, the damn Runyon place where they hung out in it mm-hmm. and they you go in there you'd see I mean it's like crazy <laughs> Tony the horse Pimbo <laughs> everybody had nicknames but he was limpy. only a union rep what, what was the he other was, one you had limpy yeah, Limpy. The, the, Limpy. Limpy. The, the, uh, Damon Runyon characters. Johnny the Spook. Johnny the Spook. Or whatever it was. So anyway, <laughs> we, we are coming to the end of this thing. And I do want to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, Toyota of Hackensack. We buy our cars there because we don't trust anybody. Go to toyotahackensack.com and help let them find you a car. You went there, Mr. Flays. Very good car. All right. And how do they treat you? Very good. All right. That's the best plug we can really? give for no, Toyota. Very Hacks. good. I could say that. I still don't know how to drive the car, but <laughs> put this on. I turn this, the windshield goes on. I turn this, the brake is the off. The sunroof opens. It's like the family truckster. <laughs> the brake the break is off. I said, what the hell did I do now? I didn't touch nothing. I said, I, when I left the place, I said to the kid, listen, put all the radio stations on, I know. Put 72 degrees, I said, because I, my thing was, if the... If the uh, uh, the place, the... the uh, Climate control? Yeah, they, no, but the stadium in uh, New Orleans, they used to keep it at 72. <laughs> super if it's dumb. good, super dumb. If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me, I said. <laughs> Make it 70. But then I still haven't touched nothing. Mr. Flace, I thank you so much for coming in and telling us all this stuff. It's been a lot of fun. Frank, thank you. You're welcome. I thank mean, you for having us. Mike and I have been talking about getting you in here for some time. And especially seeing how well you did at the Grand Saloon, I think it has been, this has been something special. Well, it's good to me, which is like, sometimes you don't like to tell stories because you don't want to get people involved, you know. And just, you don't want to mention any names. No. <laughs> <laughs> the Keith. We got to do in a Suffering Podcast after our show, and then we can get all the stories. Oh, yeah. It, it'll be close. It, it, actually, Put for, it on Patreon. On Patreon. That'll be a good one. So if you want to hear the stories behind the stories. Behind the stories. Yeah. It'll, it'll well, be like, we, ever since I can remember growing up in Jersey City, I always wanted to be a gangster. <laughs> the, the movie starts. Frank, it's, we have a lot of pre-stories because, Andrew, everything we were talking about before, he records anyway. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> It's just, I never really want to be like a gangster. No, I don't people, blame you. No, I'm just saying people just thought that. They say to him, I said, what is, is your father? I said, what do you tell them? I said, I don't know. That's what you tell them. Yeah. When I was in college, people thought it all the time. And I never said yes or no. Yeah, exactly. And so they wouldn't. They. That's a powerful weapon. To, it was. You got that I right. Never, I never. When, when, denied sorry. it or approved when, it. When he would play Miracle Legion Ball, remember Mister Robinson? Guy used to Mr. come Robinson. to the game. He would sit at the game. Mike became good friends with his his grandson, his grandson who died in the nine uh, eleven. He would sit with me. He would actually have a chair. Bring the chair. Would sit down and. Some days I'd go there like this, and other days I'd go there dressed because I'm going out after that. So I come in there dressed one day and was sitting down. He says, Frank, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah, Joe, don't worry, whatever you want to ask. He says, are you involved? So I said to him, does it matter? He said, I'm sorry, 
I'll never be at school again. <laughs> Meanwhile, you're sitting in a chair going like this with a cat on your lap. It's like, <laughs> well, really? no, Mr. Felice, this has been, this has been wonderful. It has really been wonderful. Thank you so much. You're always welcome to come in here. Thank you for lending me your son every week. And, um, I thought you could have him forever. <laughs> <laughs> and that's going to do it for this episode of the suffering podcast, the suffering of a father with Mr. Frank Felice senior. And let's think about all the stuff that we learned today. Frankie Butch, Tony horse, Tony. and, the other one, I'm not even going to mention. Oh, it was a spook. Yeah, I'm not. In, no, 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 no. That was Patty. That was Patty. No names. No names. A father can give you just one look. Don't walk through a movie set because it may cost you 20 grand. <laughs> we won't mention names. I learned that one. And if you're going to get a job when you grow up, be a union delegate. But most importantly, and this is from the heart, is don't ever lose your kids. Yeah, I, would. I, I tell them that. I'm the first one when they argue. I get on. If I know which one, I get on. He calls me. I think I called uh, one of them up, and the wife calls me back. He says, you call up someone? I said, yeah. He said, he just called me. I said, I'm glad. Don't ever, ever. I don't care. Hey, I'll give you an exa- a good example. The best example I can give you. My Uncle Frankie. That's, I'm up at my grandmother's house. It's my, my mother, my Uncle Frankie, my Uncle Nicky, and my grandmother. So for some reason, she was in the back to do something. So my Uncle Frankie said to my mother, she said something. I had to slap you in the face. I jumped over. I grabbed him. Don't you ever say that to my mother again. My mother starts hitting me. I said, what are you doing? That's my brother, she said. He, and I realized she didn't say nothing wrong. That's how brothers and sisters would. He didn't mean he was going to slap her. You know, he just, you know. You do that again, like I'll kick you in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. And that's going to do it for this episode of the Suffering Podcast. Don't forget, you can always listen before you watch. All of our audio episodes come out on Monday. Go to popple.com, put in the, the code TSP20 for a nice 20% discount on your next bi- digital business card. Don't forget to follow us on social media, TikTok, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. Follow Mike at Mike underscore Felice. Follow me at Real Kevin Donaldson. Follow The Drunken Corner. And don't forget to follow The Suffering Podcast. We're going to see you on the next episode. <laughs>